Sometimes you eat more than you should. And when it's spicy besides, Mama Mia, do you need Alka-Seltzer? Alka-Seltzer can help unstuff you, relieve the acid indigestion, and help make you your old self again. Mama Mia, that's a spicy meatball. <clears throat> My voice is a little, like, cracky and gravelly today. Molly, Molly, where are those happy days? <laughs> they seem so hard to find. Yeah, they are. You're not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. The ball. I'm not gonna do it. Run with me because I was trying to tell you about my gravelly voice. Okay, you were near the wild parsnips and you've gotten ill. Yeah, no, it's just these damn allergies. Hey, do you have any idea how stupid you sound? Yeah, no, those are two different ideas, (gasps) dummy. Danny, fucking got you. Welcome to the 21st century. This is how we talk. This is how we do it now. I don't know how they did it when you're from. You just, you make me want to eat a chicken. You make me feel so young. No, I don't know. What, like, I'm just apologizing because I feel like I'm going to sound like a prepubescent boy. What else is new? Fuck you. <laughs> I try, but I need a longer hose. Molly, ever since uh, the 1990s, uh, ever since uh, the 19... 19- oh, oh, please, please, please react to jokes with lengthy noises <laughs> like we're on fucking laughing. Why? This is why Ronaldo's no podcast is killing us in the ratings. No one lists... Fuck. I, now you fucked me up. Yeah, yeah. Keep rolling. Keep rolling with the punches, Mom. <laughs> Nobody knows what laughing is. Danny, why do you reference it? I don't know. I don't even like it. No. But the world can't forget what happened. Where were you when the world stopped turning? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Molly, the Statue of Liberty, started shaking her fist. Danny, oh, so Danny, an eagle will fly. Danny and I took a trip down Patriot Lane this week. Oh, yeah. Shitty patriotic songs are really great. And my favorite, Molly and I really <laughs> had a time listening to that Toby Keith song, uh, Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. Is that what it's called? I don't I even know what it, it was oh, called. It's called Red, White, and Blue, courtesy of USA or something like that. I didn't know it was Toby Keith. I don't know what it was. It was I... called Freedom Patriotism Apple Pie Song. That's what it sounded like. We enjoyed it. It felt like what Chinese propaganda must feel like to the citizens of China. Any song that has the line, will put a boot in your ass. It's the American song. That is followed by it's the American way. And like he's not wrong though. Like no. that's what's sad is he's it's, not It's sad wrong. that that is what people would But I love there's a Simpsons episode where they have a magic nanny who shows up and her name is Sherry Bobbins and she sings <laughs> songs to them. And when they do a spoonful of sugar, they uh they sing a song called Cut Every Corner where you just do a half-assed job of everything. Cut every corner. Wrong Julie Andrews. But that's, that's um, exactly what it I sounds heard like when yeah, you climb said every it, mountain. Go on. Yeah, but um <clears throat> could, you, could you do that right into the mic? <laughs> Not you don't actually have to do it. Do <clears throat> at any rate. Go on. Um, um cut every corner. Cut every corner. And then at the end they sing about doing a half-assed job and then the the end of the song is it's the American way and the joke is like haha, Americans mm. are lazy. And I love that that would phrase would ever be used unironically in a song. So anyway, yeah. um, the Statue of Liberty, Molly? Danny, they're going to put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Oh, it's they been so long since. They'll put a boot in your ass. Um, the idea of like unironically writing a patriotic song of your own free will is very strange to me. Look, I'm not going to lie. 
the elementary school curriculum really had me loving some patriotic songs. Oh, elementary school curriculum was very indoctrination y because it was like America the Beautiful. Oh, what's that other oh, one called? All of them, all of them. We got, we got This Land is Your Land. We got Yankee Doodle. We got Yankee Doodle Dandy. Stuck a feather in his cap. Uh, and made the girls be handy. Nope. No, that's Yankee Doodle. Yankee Doodle Dandy is. Yankee Doodle. I'm a Yankee Doodle oh, Dandy. Thank you, a yes. Yankee Doodle to her dive. All the songs, infinitely better if you put like a beat behind it, like a. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, not really a patriotic person, but I. We've talked about. I love patriotic music. We have talked before about how much we love the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Oh, unironically, as a piece of the music. The Battle Hymn of the Republic. Glory, glory, hallelujah. I cry like every time. It's actually really a stirring piece. It of is. Music. You are ready to go into war. Like it does its job. Oh, I have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Like it really gets you going. Um, but Molly, um, yeah. First of all, what's the name of the show, real quick? You want to just give it to me, real quick, just once, just lob that. We're baseball. doing a show, Molly. It's all been a show. They're all watching you. This whole town. The sky above you, the sea that you once tried to venture out into, but all a lie. What? Molly, when you draw on the bathroom mirror with soap, no. there are people looking at you no. through there. Oh, yes, no. Molly. Oh, yes. No. And it's all brought to you by Folgers Coffee. I think it's Maxwell House in the since, movie. I can't since remember. Since I was but a baby? Since today? you were a little bitty kid when you had not yet found your mighty stick, and then you did. Uh, your stick, your stick, your stick is better than bacon. You bought a little piggy, and you let the little piggy run amok. So cute. But when you would sleep, the people little piggy kept waking you up. People are going to be like, when does this happen in the Truman Show? Yeah, no, that's a song uh-huh. about Yoda, and it's unrelated to the Truman Show. And I just seamlessly, I create a rich tapestry of previous literary illusions. But yeah, this is the pants are too tight. It's the best name for a podcast. Ever. Um, I'm Molly. And I'm Danny. And we're back from a little unplanned break. So let me uh break it down for y'all what happened. So um, Sick of this shit. We were supposed to fuck I'm you. Sick of um, We were... She's a monster. What is wrong with you? As soon as these mics are um, off, she yells at me. No. So, well, Tells yes, Tells me to get but... back in my corner. I haven't left the corner in two weeks. You don't leave the corner by your own free will. I really don't like it. getting up from the corner, Yeah, Molly. It's yeah. really exhausting. Thank you. No, so we were going to do a fourth, I think a fourth, I don't even know numbers. We were going to do another Halloween episode, and then- we just got real busy with Halloween, quite frankly. Yeah, we got so busy what with our staying home and putting on costumes for no one in particular. We had a we had to do a three person Sanderson sister costume. And we killed it. And then we we each had multiple Halloween costumes. Oh um, yeah, we did. We went through phases because I did the Sanderson thing with you the day before mm-hmm. and then I was Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Uh, just for photographic purposes, and I breathed in really sharply you there, did. and that's not going to be scary. fun to listen to. Um, and then I was Laurie Strode from Halloween. And it was wonderful. I did it because your boyfriend uh, at the time, which is still your boyfriend, I just yeah, need to I call him say, that. Yeah, I say, geez. Your boyfriend, uh, as of this recording, Ronaldo, he was Michael Myers, which was unrelated to your Halloween costume. Yeah, because we've never done a couple's costume. We're always just super unrelated in our costumes. That's fine. That's independence. Um, it's good to have you I was Ray from Star Wars, which you you might recall me talking about in the Halloween costume episode because of my struggle of finding a Ray costume. Yeah. I did find a child's large and I did squeeze into that. And You're um, so tiny. I am very tiny. But it worked. It worked. It was a little uncomfortable. It yeah. was fucking freezing out, but uh it worked. Yeah, so but your boyfriend Ronaldo was unrelated to that. He was Michael yes. Myers from Halloween. And so I 
uh, you both asked me what I was going to dress up as, and I said, I don't know, and then I walked away, and then I came back in full Laurie Strode costume. I got a wig. I had a shirt. Like, I got the right kind of shirt. It was the right kind of shirt. I ripped up the sleeve. I put blood on my arm, and I walked around with a wire hanger. It was great, except for the fact that I didn't feel like shaving, so I was just a <laughs> bearded Jamie Lee Curtis. Also... I'm a good hundred pounds heavier than Jamie Lee Curtis yeah, but has ever been. The beard helps with her chin line, you know. Like she your does beard have a makes very you look sharper. Yeah, my beard is comes to a point like Count Dooku in the Clone Wars cartoon, so I it made me look really sharp. See, I get why you said that, but when you said your beard comes to a point, I pictured Jafar's beard, and then oh. I was immediately like, "It's so twisty." You ever notice that? <laughs> so twisted. <laughs> I hate the way she says that, but you know what? I love Molly. How Tutankhamun's uh, uh, beard, you know the. Egyptian prince. Uh, well, king. Uh, the pharaoh. King Tut. Oh, oh, oh. Tut- Tutankhamun. Is that his name? You don't know what King Tut stands? It's Tutankhamun. It, dude, World Civ was a long time ago, and I don't even think we talked about that then. That must have been sixth grade that ancient feels history. Like, this feels like something you should know. Danny, Tutankhamun. The King Tut Museum has been a ra- It was an exhibit when I was in, like, Maybe fourth grade. I remember Mrs. Millard mm. telling me about it. And then, like, I learned about King Tut in sixth grade and never again. Unless, like, they yeah. mentioned him in Night at the Museum, then, like, maybe. But I, I know they had Achman Ra. Well, that was Rami Malik. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't know if they also had King Tut somewhere in well, there. Well, Hank was that other pharaoh in the second one. But I don't yeah, remember his but name. I, he could have been. He lisps. Yeah, was he? I don't know who he was. He was not King Tut. King Tut was a little boy. No, I have to look it up. King I know Tut King. Was, I know yeah. King Tut was a, a but a boy. Oh, and so but his, you don't know his name. His mom was basically like the the pharaoh for him. But I don't right. know his name. No, well, it's been too long. King Tut had a little beard like an ice cream cone on that sarcophagus. They always show you that. I mean, he probably didn't have a beard in real life because he was like thirteen. But you know, they, those sarcophaguses they always have a little beard and it looks like an ice cream cone stuck on someone's face. And I'm sure that's very cool. I, I always picture the pharaohs with like just the square. The beard. square? Like a square beard. Are you picturing a goatee? I don't know what I'm picturing. That's Satan. Anyway, we were talking about how stirring the Battle Hymn of the Republic is. And I was going to say that speaking of the most stirring and inspirational music in the world, ABBA. Molly, I... Wait. Li- what do you mean, Wait. I wasn't done explaining our absence. No, uh, no one cares. You want to devote this show to talking about how there wasn't a show for a little while? Well, I think there was a pretty significant thing that happened this week. What, the presidential election? Yeah. People don't need to hear your hot take on the news. It wasn't a hot take on the news. It was just going to share our time. Molly's a Nazi. Go on. Yeah, I'm a Nazi. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm a Nazi. What of it? What are you going to do about it? Look, we just spent- Tell them what you want. We spent a long weekend watching- It's common raw, Okay. In Night at the Museum 2? Yes. Come on, Ra. Cut wait, all wait, this out, please. No. <laughs> you think I'm going to edit this podcast, you goof? Absolutely not. I'll edit it before I send it to you. You're not going to bother. The point is, if there ever was one, Molly. We spent a long, long couple of days uh, watching uh, uh, presidential election stuff, just kind of staring at CNN, noticing the rippling sexual tension between Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo. Oh, my erotic novel is writing itself, Molly, let me tell you. Oh, Molly, John King looks so tired touching those buttons. Ooh, but that that skinny kid who comes in on the three in the morning shift when they switch from Wolf Blitzer to Chris Cuomo. He's cute, but he doesn't hold the candles, John. 
No one can hold a candle to John King because if they did, he would try to tap it because he thought it was part of an iPad display. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Danny and I went pretty crazy though, like most people that yeah. we watch CNN for like four days straight and occasional switch to uh, MSNBC, occasional switch to Fox News to watch them tell lies. Yeah, it, we did it was switch a time. over to Fox News twice to be like, what could they possibly be saying about this? Yeah, and it was incoherent. Yeah, well, there was that one time we were, we were proud of that map guy, which their map guy is literally just basically using an iPad. Doesn't hold a candle. He had to exit the app to refresh the map. It was very funny. It was. Um, and that that was like the one moment where they were like, yeah, like Trump's going to have a tough time winning. But we got, you know, very upset and depressed and anxious and crazy watching the the several days of election crap. Yeah. So Danny needed a bit of a pick me up. Not really. No one's ever picked me up. I'm too heavy. Anyway, uh, can I talk about ABBA now? Yeah, go ahead. Talk about the ABBA. The whole this reason is... we're doing this podcast, Molly, is because I really like ABBA. Well, yeah. I'm just a big fan. Big fan. You like the, the Swedes. No, not all the Swedes. I don't like blue Swede. You're fucking, fucking, ooh, Uga Chaka. Fuck you, motherfucker. Uga Chaka. That's Uga, a great song. Uga, Uga Chaka. Uh, it's a cover. That's not their original. They didn't write that. I can't fight this feeling. Really, the only difference between that and the original version is Deep the Uga Chaka inside. up at the top. The original version Which is just starts. the best part. Well, yeah. I mean, one could argue that. Nah, Hooked on a feeling. Bah, bah, nah, nah. What I love is that each part of that sounds like it's from a different musical <laughs> style. Because those like heavy drums sound very distinct. The the obviously the chant, the Uga Chaka is very uh distinctive. The drums are very distinctive, but then that trumpet sounds like it's from a fucking different era. It sounds like it came out of the sixties. It does. Good observation, burp, Daniel. Burp. Okay, don't belittle me. Daniel. Don't patronize me. You're such a good observer, really. Go, beef Go yourself. and clap for you yourself. You absolute nothing. Throw yourself an observation part. <laughs> Why don't you go take a drawstring bag, wrap it around your head, pull the strings real tight? Uh, why uh, don't you go uh, do that? Speaking from personal experience, Daniel. I got stuck that in that was... bag on accident. You know it. Abba. You crap sack. Okay, <laughs> anyway. Uh, Abba, look, I, I had never sat down to watch the film The Masterpiece, Mamma Mia, before. I'd never done it. I'd seen bits of it on TV. I feel like that was airing on, I don't know, FX or something. And I just, I, I had seen it at times. I'd seen bits of it. You had watched it at a cousin's house. I had watched bits I and pieces watch I'd at a cousin's house why do you always have to get caught up in the nitty gritty because why are you telling the, the world story? lies because who gives a shit you had watched it at some point somewhere and I had seen bits and pieces of it why does the little fucking salad dressing matter when I'm serving up the truth <laughs> Because you're serving up lies with it it's not you a fucking a lie who cares nobody sprinkled can. with lies Nobody cares who spr who sprinkles a salad. What do you sprinkle? You sprinkle cheese on top of a salad. Uh, if you want it to go straight to your thighs, you do. And I do. Well, you. What's going to be the sustenance of my salad then? Uh, Lettuce. Ugh. Molly, so tiny she has to use Pediasure as a salad dressing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good. thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Be here all week writing body shaming jokes. Anyway, Danny always refused to watch Mamma Mia. Didn't feel like it. Didn't feel like it. And then sometime like during this quarantine, Danny 
watched a video. I just watched a video by a guy named Patrick H. Williams. He was talking about how Mamma Mia is real good. And I was like, you know what? That sounds really nice. Yeah, it was like, you know what? Molly's been saying this for years, but we don't trust her opinion. But now that a white man with a beard said it, mm, mm-hmm. gotta get and on that. And so then we had agreed to have this Mamma Mia double feature, and we kept putting it off, putting it off, putting yeah, it off. Yeah. And then... I don't even know how it came up the other day. I think it was because we were watching some of that election stuff. It wasn't election night anymore. It was past it. We were just, yeah. sort of, we had had a, we needed It was a the break. day after the election. We needed a break, but I don't know how Mama Mia came up. It was just seemed like such a refreshing thing to do after such stressful times. And so we sat down, Molly and I, and we watched uh, Mama Mia 1. And I had a wonderful time. I laughed. I cried a little. I, I got emotional. And I just really overall enjoyed the film. I enjoyed its aesthetic. I enjoyed that movie very much. And then we say, okay, time to get to Mamma Mia 2. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for what was going to happen to me, Molly. He um, wasn't. Here's, here's my viewing experience. I cried at the end of Mamma Mia. Had a great time. Then we get to Mamma Mia 2. Ten minutes go by. Pierce Brosnan shows up. Pierce Brosnan says his second line in the movie, I start crying. Not like my eyes are tearing up, not like, oh, this is emotional, I'm, I'm a little verklempt. What happened was real tears started to roll down my cheeks. My nose got all snotty because Pierce Brosnan hugged his daughter and said, she was our dancing queen. Danny bawled like a fucking baby. Like That's what baby. happened. I cry at movies, but Danny wasn't just like tearing up. Danny's face was so fucking red 10 minutes into the movie that like I almost was concerned about whether or not I should let it continue to play. I watched <laughs> because I know how because I know how sad it got at the end and how much it made me and everyone else I know bawl that I was like if he's crying this much 10 minutes in so He's we, not making we, it to the end. We continue on through the movie. I cry over and over again. I keep fucking crying. Even at stuff that isn't sad. Like just I'm just overwhelmed with feeling. Yeah. And um and and so not to spoil Mamma Mia too, but like it doesn't matter because I knew all this stuff happened. Like I knew what the movie was about. I just kept crying because it's that good and that emotional. And especially if you watch Mamma Mia 1, you care so much about everything that is happening. Okay, when they do Dancing Queen, I cried. When they did, like, the second time when it's in the present, not the past, I cried at that. When when it was raining and they comforted that horse, I started crying for the horse. Uh, uh, um, when Stellan Skarsgård finally let himself feel something, I cried. When Stellan Skarsgård was his own fat brother, I cried of laughter because the setup and execution of every part of that scene was so fucking funny my brain couldn't handle it it was perfect i think so this is the thing about mama mia it exudes joy yes it exudes emotion preach sister preach it just it danny you said it right like it makes you feel it's a party but it's an emotional party and uh, we were on the journey. And it's just so beautiful. Like, it's set in Greece, and Greece is fucking gorgeous. But it's shot beautifully, Mamma Mia, too. It's just a cinematic masterpiece, truly. I, I okay, okay. I cannot, I, okay. You're right. It, it's just, it's, it's, like, it is like a party in many ways. But it's like a party after a funeral. 
is what Mamma Mia feels like. Like you've had a wake for someone that you all love so much and you all go back to one of the people's houses and there's one of those really long subs and you all take a piece of the sub. There's still plenty left because it's that long. And uh, I believe they're called party subs. <laughs> and uh, it's Italian, but no tomato on your slice because they really care about you. And they uh, they took it off before they handed it to you. And there's ta- there's the tomato juices are on there, but that's fine because you're not that persnickety. And you know, little bit of oil. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell my favorite part of a post funeral party. But uh, you know, everybody's having a glass of wine. Everybody's laughing. Nobody has to be anywhere. You know, you're all going to stay the night because uh, the funeral's tomorrow. And you're just having this wonderful time with each other. There's music, there's dancing, there's stories about people you loved. And and you're just overcome with feeling, so much feeling. Life is so precious and so fleeting. And the things that bring us joy, good music, good wine, good food, good people, good times, the things that make us happy, the things that make us cry, they're all we have on this dust speck floating through <laughs> space, a la Horton, here's a who. All we have is each other. And that is the beauty of life. And that is what ABBA captures through their art. They do. That is... Beautifully said, Danny. A snap for you. So what happens in Mamma Mia 2 is at a certain point, um, Cher shows up and she sings a song. Fernando. One of the... I don't know if this is one of ABBA's bigger hits. I don't think it is because it's not in the first film like at all. I don't even think there's an instrumental of it. And I think that if it was one of their bigger numbers, it would have at least been included in an instrumental, which happens with like Waterloo plays as an instrumental in the first movie and then they sing it during like the credits, you know? And it's interesting that the idea of the first Mamma Mia was to totally encapsulate ABBA's discography. And yet there was still kind of enough to get a second movie out of it. Like they have to repeat several songs, but I will say two of those are for haunting reprises that make you feel something inside. Um, Yeah. And and, I mean, ABBA's got a huge discography, but even the songs they repeat, it's, it's bigger and better. It is because like Dancing Queen, for instance, obviously Uh in the first one, I think Dancing Queen in the first one does not start for like any reason. Like she just kind of sits in front of a mirror and then she puts on a Napoleon hat and my brain went, oh, they're going to do Waterloo now because she's in a Napoleon hat. And then, no, they just sing Dancing Queen to her. But the way Dancing Queen ends is iconic. It feels like feminism is happening in Greece. Meryl Streep, for those of you who haven't seen Mamma Mia!, which you should stop the podcast right now and go watch Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia 2, and then play the rest of this. But now you're back. Meryl Streep liberates the women of Greece. Mm, mm. Literally, she liberates all the shot. And, and this is so random. And, and it's a party get down. The fact that they have this dock that they can choreograph on is such an interesting choice for a movie. Like it really is to just they have a long dock. dock. And they use it multiple times. But to see a line of women just doing in sync choreography is just beautiful. Like it really is. Women of all ages dancing like a middle school play. It was great. Danny pointed out that the choreo is not necessarily difficult choreo in that song. And so to see it. Stop looking at me for saying choreo. Okay. Um, as long as you know what you did. <laughs> but it, it's not difficult choreo. And so seeing them do it in sync is just like they're very in sync. It just looks great. I, it's a great visual. I wish this was a visual podcast. I'd show you the videos of Danny crying. I'd 
I, I performed the dance for you myself. Oh, it was honest to God. I, I so the okay. So when they do Dancing Queen in the first movie, there's this uh, Greek woman who looks very tired, and she's carrying like a big bundle of sticks on her shoulder. And then as they pass her singing Dancing Queen, she throws it off her shoulders and dances. And it's the most joyous thing I've ever seen. And it feels like an encapsulation of the entire nation of Greece because it's just this lust for life. It It's the emotional equivalent of getting so happy that you shatter a plate and scream, Opa! It is, it feels like a festival. The movie's yes. like a festival. And, and okay, so that is a great moment in the first movie. And of course, Dancing Queen is probably one of the biggest ABBA songs of all time. It's definitely great. I'm, I'm fighting all urges to not like bust out on a because you can dance right and now. you can jive and yep. it just it's an it's a great song and they jump off the dock and it feels so cathartic right it's so cathartic that this movie has made it this and sisterhood of the traveling pants um has made it my dream to jump in the water at grace yeah because it looks like the most freeing experience you could have and i just i oh love it love it so that's a great moment in the first movie in the second movie they do dancing queen twice they do it once in the past where it's uh, someone is heartbroken and they, they don't know how to express themselves through art and they perform. Isn't that dancing? No. Am I crazy? What do they do then? They do Mamma what is, Mia. What? In the past. They don't That's Mamma Mia? Oh my God. They don't do Dancing Queen I'm in sorry. the past. I'm sorry. Yes, that is Mamma Mia. Molly, when I tell you that I thought that was Dancing Queen, it's it's been a few days. They do Dancing Queen in the, in the present... It's the boats, right? That's yes, Dancing the boats, Queen. Yes. Thank you, because Colin Firth does his little dance, Molly. He does his dance and he does his jive. He do a little dance, you make a little love, you get down tonight. Colin Firth. Where's his Oscar? Where's his Oscar? Where's Where? everyone's Oscar for Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia 2? That's what I want to know. Pierce Brosnan, people give him such shit for singing, but it's only bad at the end. It's yeah. fine during SOS. SOS, it's endearing. He's Except the first like line. Where are those happy days? They seem so hard to find. But after that, it's good. What's the song where he says, my wife? Oh, he says, my wife. Uh, is it when he's proposing? I don't know. That song made me laugh when it started because it starts <laughs> with like the band that you see on screen. So it's just like a tuba. Boom, boom, boom. It sounds like they're starting the fucking VeggieTales song. And then Pierce Brosnan comes in with, will you stop? Yeah, that part's really bad. Yeah, but... The rest of the time, it's fine. Say I do. Pierce Brosnan might have the most emotional singing moment in all of Mamma Mia 2, where uh -huh. he does his little reprise of SOS, and it's haunting, and he sounds like a broken man who the love of his life is gone, and it's just so quiet. So if you hear me now, this is my soul. Yeah, it, it's really haunting. It's really beautiful. So anyway, I I cry a hundred times during the running time of Mamma Mia Two. It's a beautiful film about the simple joys and being a good person and love and 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 passion and all these things. It's great. It's a great movie. Uh, of course, the ending is when I cry the most because, like all things, it makes me weep. But there, it's little things. It's when we see Colin Firth for the first time. He leaves a business meeting because he wants to go to his daughter's like, and it's not even grand a, opening. It's yeah. not even a wedding. It's just an event that means something to her. Like, oh, I just got chills. You saying it's that. so sweet that, like, in the first movie, it's a wedding, and a wedding is a huge life event, and you drop everything for it. But it is this simple idea that, like. People who love you would show up to support you at something that 
isn't a holiday. It's not Christmas. There's no social obligation. When you had good reason to not be there. When you had a great reason to not be there. And because, like, you know, it's a fucking weekend in the middle of the summer. Like, people are doing shit, okay? Yeah. And you're all the way in fucking Greece. Okay, like, Amanda don't forget Se- that part. Amanda Seyfried. People are doing stuff. Yeah. But, but she's so calm and accepting that they're not going to be there. It's so low stakes. She's like, I get they can't make it. I wish they could be and here, like, but it's fine. It gets, honestly, so far into the movie before that, Col- before Colin Firth and yes. Skeleton 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 Skarsgård. Before Jack him. Skellington. Um, before they show up that like I truly thought when I first saw it even though like I had seen previous so I should have known but I thought they weren't going to be in it because it sounds like one of those things like they do in sequels when they can't it get really the people it's like oh you know they wanted to be here but they couldn't be it's like so I thought they weren't going to show up and then they do it literally felt like an Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where not Marcus Brody walks into the room and says ever since Marcus Brody and also your father passed away you've been so alone Indiana Jones <laughs> and it was like thanks guy <laughs> like, was... yeah that that is what it felt yeah, like it felt like I... I'm so sorry that both Harry and Bill couldn't make it but at least I Pierce Brosnan am still here but will not do much of a musical number Pierce Brosnan and Let's... then the fact that everyone was there and was so uh-huh. willing to participate and you think like oh Meryl Streep is too good for this movie and then the fucking curveball of her not just doing what is required of her like there is one time in this movie where you need, and it's not a spoiler that she's in it because her face is front and center on the DVD. They want you to know Meryl came back. <laughs> like they're, they're like, look, I know you're not going to see her for a while, but we promise there is Meryl Streep in this movie. You just got to go with us. Bear with us. It seems like a crazy choice not to have her in the whole movie because she's the best part of the first one. But you got to bear with us. Like, trust us. Like, there's a reason why we're waiting to right. show you the Mamma Mia. Uh. I assume she is the titular she, she, mama. She's the mama. She's and, the mama. And, and the daughter's the Mia. Mamma Mia. Nah, but... I'm Mama, and this is my daughter Mia, and we're gonna pump you up. <laughs> Thank you for joining me at uh-huh, the end. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine if there was an incoherent SNL sketch? <laughs> That's just the pump you up, guys, but with Mamma Mia. <laughs> you said the way, when you were saying it, it really did sound like the um, like all those bad car yeah. commercials. Could you imagine if there was a time where you didn't have to pay full price for a new or used Kia Sorento? <laughs> Molly, they're going to work you out so hard, you're going to have six-pack ABBAs. And, um, thank you. Um, so, Mer- Meryl. Meryl, Meryl. Meryl. So, Meryl, the fact that Meryl doesn't just show up to do what is emotionally important to the story, but she shows up for the all-important end of Mamma Mia dance number, yeah. and that she is the center part of that, and like... Her and Cher. Her and Cher. It's not tall Cher aside like that. It's that's the thing about the end of Mamma Mia Two is that you feel like you've met a family. Yeah. You feel like there's like literally and not three like generations. a family, like your family. You feel like you're you, part of it. It feels like you married someone that you're deeply in love with, and then their family loves you more than your family ever yeah. did. And uh, and I, you love them more than you could ever love your own family. And you, I'm reaching for a pop culture example of this, but it's just that time that I married Prince it's Charming. It's just Mamma Mia. It's just Mamma Mia. And it's so amazing. And who gives a shit about Sky's family? He's not important. Sky is so unimportant. Like, oh, really but that is. song where they're far apart. and they... uh, Heartbreaking. I'd like to take a moment. One of us is crying. I can't even One hear that songs without crying in her lonely bed um i want to take a moment to talk about pierce please please go pierce brosden is present and accounted for i 
I'll tell you right now. You know, when I did Mamma Mia. I, you know, it's crazy. I really looked on crazy. his Instagram last night to see if I should message him and be like, Pierce, do you want to be on our podcast? But um, I Do you really think that multi-millionaire He's stuff. in quarantine too, okay? He's like, James fucking Bond. I was just saying I thought about it. I didn't know James didn't was fucking do it, Bond. But um, um, no, so Pierce Brosnan. I don't like James Bond. Let me let me put that out here. I'm not a James Bond fan. I think it's dumb. I think it's boring. I, I mean, don't yes. understand how they fan. made so many James Bond movies. So I wasn't like a big Pierce Brosnan kind of guy. But let me tell you, after watching, and I'm not like one of those people that finds like older men attractive usually. Uh, the only example I can think of is maybe Thomas Gibson from Criminal Minds. And he's not even like old, old. He's just like definitely like a dad age. But when I watched Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia 2 this time, Pierce Brosnan is just a beautiful fucking man. Like, he really is, especially in the first Mamma Mia, like, gorgeous. He's just straight up gorgeous. I was so charmed by him. I wanted him to come through that screen. I was like, if Meryl doesn't marry Pierce Brosnan, I will right now. I don't understand his accent. He's trying he's, to, I think he's always playing English, but he is naturally Irish. Well... I wasn't sure. I don't even know where he's supposed to be from in the movie because he d- his his accent is only there some of the time. In the scene where he's chasing Sophie in Mamma Mia 1, like and he's like, "You don't have to get married if you don't want to." His accent is so Irish. But like it's not like that for the whole rest of the movie. So I don't really know what's going on with him there. And then in Mamma Mia 2, his voice is so gravelly, it's really hard to know. I okay, so Pierce Brosnan is wonderful and I love him and I would do anything for him and I, I love doing a really bad impression of him all the time uh, mostly just to Molly um, <clears throat> but I, I love him and I watched him towards the beginning of the pandemic he did a, a watch along for Goldeneye which was his first James Bond movie and is my favorite James Bond movie ever and um, because like Casino Royale is the best James Bond movie like if any one of them was going to be like this is an actual artistic film it would be that one but Goldeneye is a really solid movie on its own because it was like a reboot of the Bond movies there had been a long gap between them Uh, they used to come out every other year and for the first time in a long time there had been like five years between Bond movies so it was a big deal he was coming back and it was the first one with Pierce they had always wanted Pierce Brosnan to be James Bond uh, since like the 80s and they you know um for he his tv show got renewed for another season so he couldn't be james bond they were actually about to have a press conference they had to cancel the press conference because he couldn't be james bond his wife um was a bond girl before he was ever james bond she very tragically passed away she died very young which is uh horribly sad he has since uh found love again he has remarried which is very in keeping with the tone of mamma mia um Mm -hmm. you know the 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 life is never and he voted for joe biden he did vote for joe biden and people like some bond fans were like giving him shit about that which is so funny to me because it's like how have you watched so many james bond movies and not realized that like an evil billionaire who wants to take over the world is the bad guy (laughs) like I don't know. It just seems like you should have caught the message of what a supervillain acts like, but beyond the point. Um, Pierce. I love him. I think he's a great James Bond. He did a watch along just from his house in Hawaii. And he like, he the whole time he kept going, I see that the light is on, but I'm not entirely sure if uh, we're still recording here. <laughs> so I'm just going to read some questions. And uh, 
I hope you can see me. And he, <laughs> and so he's watching Goldeneye, obviously with the sound off, and he's he has the questions, but it's not like he's reading them off his phone or something. He has them printed out on paper because he's a grandpa. And he goes, <clears throat> I've run out of water. I've been talking for a very long time. I'm going to text my son to bring me some more water. I'm terribly sorry if this is rude or interferes with watching the movie. <laughs> it's like, you're so British. How are you Irish? He like has formal stories that he has prepared to tell you. It's not a regular commentary where he just says whatever Aww. he wanted. He's like, um, I'm going to start by telling you how I discovered James Bond. Uh, I was six years old, living in Ireland, and uh, the only time I really saw the movies, they were in black and white, uh, the sort of second-run feature films. And then... James Bond exploded onto the screens in Ireland in a film called Goldfinger. And there was a beautiful naked woman painted entirely gold. And I will never forget that image as long as I live. And of course, Sean Connery, the original James Bond. I met him once um, outside of Pinewood Studios. And uh, I was uh, I just had a long day of shooting. I'd been uh, hooked into a stunt harness all day. I was very grumpy. You know, having been uh, doing this rigorous stunt, I tried to do as many of them myself as I could. And I was putting my clothes into the boot of the car. And then uh, over comes Sir Sean Connery. And he looks at me. And he says, are they paying you enough? And that was Sean. All right, I'm going to take a question. This one comes from Fuckstick69. He says, <laughs> what's your favorite car? I guess the gray one. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it's the kind of mix of James Bond of like, these are great movies that are made by great people, but also all people care about is like, the car and the naked girl. <laughs> Sorry, I just did a Pierce Brosnan monologue. I really love him. That's okay. Where are those happy days? I think that Pierce, he definitely has a bad rap for the movie, but he's so lovable in it. It's and I like, think people you still don't, like him. Yeah. You don't, nobody wants Meryl to end up with either of the other two. Like you no. want her to end up partly with because Pierce. one of them is gay and the other one has a girlfriend. Does who, he have a girlfriend? Well, he has that little lady who's always chasing him well, that I love. Now, she's you me. By the way, if we had to tag ourselves yeah. in Mamma Mia, at first I was like, Molly, can I be someone fun? Can I be Meryl Streep? Can I be the the sexy one, uh, Christine Baranski? And she just goes no, and then she points at help me Rosie. She she points at Rosie and she goes, "That's you." And I go, "Why?" And then as the movie goes on, they get to take a chance on me, yeah. where Sophie gets up on the table and does like Rosie, a little shimmy. Rosie. Rosie, I'm sorry. What did I say? Sophie. That's the lead girl. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's Amanda Seyfried. And uh, also, Mamma Mia is great because everybody just kind of has a regular name. It's like yeah. Rosie, Donna, Sophie, Bill. And then we got Tanya. Harry. Well. Tanya's a little extravagant i almost said in pierce but his name's Be sam still <laughs> my beating vagina <laughs> how could we forget the name sam it's on his belt buckle anyway, <laughs> i've never i i have seen that ending clip the do you want another one i've seen that just as like a music video on youtube same thing with uh does your mother know mm -hmm. i've seen those sort of just as separate music videos um but I'd never noticed that Pierce Brosnan has his name on his belt buckle like he's Elvis or something. It's so funny. In his 1970s, 80s jumpsuit. I love it. I oh, I want to watch Mamma Mia 2 again so bad. But anyway, I, I want to jump way back. We've been talking mm -hmm. about Pierce, how great he is. Because yes. he no one ever means anything as much as Pierce Brosnan does. Facts. He I watched this movie Eurovision, A Song of Fire uh, and Ice or whatever. That's the title of Game of Thrones. But... The books are a song of fire and ice. Mm -hmm. No, but it was Eurovision. 
It's on YouTube. It's based on the actual Eurovision Song Contest, which is why ABBA is famous. They won the Eurovision Song Contest, which is this big song contest. It's like that episode of Rick and Morty, the show me what you got. Mm -hmm. But it's in Europe. Every country holds a mini Eurovision contest, and the winner of that sends their winner to this big Eurovision contest where you have to perform like an original song and uh, whoever does the best wins. And so this movie is about Will Ferrell and he's an unsuccessful uh, Scandinavian songwriter. And then the boat of all the winners explodes. So he ends up going to the big final Eurovision song contest. Um, and he's a goof and he messes it up. And it's, it's a fine movie. It's not amazing. Uh, it's a little slow at points. The actual songs in the movie are fun to listen to. And there's some good stuff. But the main point is that Pierce Brosnan plays Will Ferrell's father which is weirdly good casting because you're like, how did Will Ferrell come out of Pierce Brosnan's jeans? But then you, not like he climbed out, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a horrible SNL sketch. It's just like, there's a rustle in my truck. Oh no, a six foot four man is climbing from my pant leg. If only Debbie Downer were here. And then, you know, SNL stuff happens. Anyway, so uh, Pierce Brosnan plays his dad, and he's just giving like a dead serious performance in this Will Ferrell comedy. And he actually got me emotional at one point because he's like, he never approves of his son. And then as you would guess, mm -hmm. eventually he approves of his son. And I started crying because Pierce Brosnan just means it. He's so fucking earnest in everything. I love Pierce. He is. Anyway, moving on from anyway, that. Anyway, you're Rosie. I am Rosie. I've accepted this. Molly, who you would be Donna. I don't know who I'd be. You have a little bit of I, Sophie energy. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I would be crazy obsessive and invite my three possible mm -hmm. dads to my wedding. Like, that is very me. Um, yeah. But I like, I genuinely don't know who I am in that movie, but I, I would say that uh, Donna and the Dynamos just, they really do exude my energy with my close <laughs> friends. Like, that's just us. Like, yeah. the whole time... I, we watch it. It's just like, that's just me. Like, that just is. That's what we are. We're crazy. We're fun. Um, we like to dance and be goofs and gossip about boys. So, you know, it's me. So, I, I, but a specific one, I don't know. I think it really depends on the people that I am I am with. Um, I have to give fantastic credit to Christine Bransky. Yeah. Because what a woman. What a woman. I she doesn't have as big a part in the first movie, but in the second movie, she's pretty prominent. She's just great, and uh, Jessica. Oh my god, wait, what's her name? I'm I'm blanking on her name now. Jessica Keenan Wynn plays the perfect young her. Yeah, like in Mamma Mia two. Spoiler alert: half of it takes place in the past, and uh, they have younger versions of themselves there. She is so perfect as Christine Bransky, that I, it feels like it's her. Like, if you had told me that they actually, like, CGI'd her into, mm -hmm. like, a young version of herself, I'd believe it. I, I, I thought the young stuff, I really was going to, like, it, I don't like that usually when a movie just gives you backstory. I, I hate that stuff. I hate just, like, here's how this famous thing came to be. Not a big fan of that. I don't like watching Batman Begins. It makes me sleepy. But, Mamma Mia 2 is exceptional because, A, in Mamma Mia, you don't really care that much about the story anyway. You're kind of just in it for the fun mm -hmm. and the bits and the songs. So it's like, I, you know, I don't really need a great plot for Mamma Mia 2. 
But then the twist that they pulled, Molly, is that Mamma Mia 2 is so brilliantly written that everything from the past like does matter. Like the guy who wants to, he needs a ride on the boat to get to his wife. Like that's important. Important, yeah. And, And oh, just... Mm, and the lady who who gives Donna the hotel is so sweet, and she hates her son, and I love it. I love Mamma Mia too. And the past stuff is so good and engaging. It doesn't line up with the timeline of Mamma Mia One. No, it's there is some you know continuity errors in the Mamma Mia universe. Like you know she says in the first one that her mom's you know, dead. Her, well, she's her mom's dead, but you know, I think. You could say she was like dead to her, maybe. That's, they pulled you know? that on uh, Frasier because Frasier <laughs> yeah. wasn't meant to be a spinoff. It was going to be a different show. Just Kelsey Grammer was going to play an unrelated character. And then they were like, nah, fuck it. Be Frasier again. And so then they were like, well, what's the premise? Uh, he lives with his dad and his brother's always bothering him. And then there's an episode of Cheers where Frasier just like talks for like five minutes about like my father's dead and my brother's dead and I have no living family. And then they do an episode of Frasier where he goes back to Boston and he just goes, I lied. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird. It's like, why bother acknowledging it? It was the 80s. We couldn't watch it on Netflix. Right, we would have forgotten. There was no Wikipedia. But (laughs) imagine that time. Imagine there's no Wikipedia. Yeah, so there is some continuity errors like she sleeps with Harry first in Mamma Mia 2 but in the her diary he's the third one they mentioned so I mean who really knows but it's it's this weird thing where even though we know what's going to happen it's still so compelling like we know Sam is going to leave her for a woman that he's engaged to because mm-hmm. they told us that in Mamma Mia 1 and yet I'm still engaged like I still yeah. want to know you really what don't happens. want them to You're, yeah they're so happy together you're like please don't leave and I'm sorry, I have to go back to the casting again because yeah. perfection to choose to cast Stellan Skarsgård's son. Actual son. I can't, as his why young can't son. I say his name? Stellan Skarsgård? I struggle with I it so much. Thank God they ca- didn't pick Pennywise. Yeah, to cast his son as him is yeah. genius. And it works so beautifully. It looks just like him. And what's so funny is like that his, his son could have easily played Thor. He kind of looks like Thor. Yeah. And then Stellan Skarsgård is the crazy doctor in the Thor movies. And in the first two Avengers movies. And then they just never really talk about him again. Like well, He like went crazy. He's a, va- he's a vital character in those two Avengers movies. And then just like, nah, eh, fuck it. He's not coming around. Hashtag again. bring back Skarsgård. Bring back, oh, what's his name? The doctor. I just called him Stellan Skarsgård. <laughs> <laughs> I think his name is Bill. No, that's <laughs> What if that was supposed to be the same character across movies? <laughs> Jordan said that when we were watching it. He was Mama like Mamma Mia Cinematic Universe, the MMCU. <laughs> so, Danny, I have good news. It's in the MCU. If you want to reenact you know Mamma Mia and have your Mamma Mia dream increase, my yeah. You can. So I I like I said, I've been really wanting to go to Greece because of all this and I can't go anywhere now, so all I can do is dream about travel. Yeah. The island that was filmed, uh, where Mamma Mia was filmed, like on the beach scenes, um, is Skopelos. Yeah. I'm not pronouncing it it's well because I, I don't speak Greek. Um, I'll call it Skopelos, though. That's kind of how it's spelled. It looks beautiful. I yeah. want to go. And the beach is like Castorini Beach or something. I have it written in my Adriana Castellani. That was me mispronouncing the voice of Snow White. Um, so it looks beautiful. It's a real island. I can go there. Yeah. Um, so here's it's it's called Castani Beach. Castani Beach. Yeah. That's where Mamma Mia's filmed. And I want to go. But they, there's like Mamma Mia packages, like vacation yeah. packages where you can like oh. 
go to Athens, like they'll show you yeah. these things, and then like you'll have like you know a wine night on the beach. Give and it to me. I I'm really excited, but the problem, Danny, is I need to reenact two movies in Greece. I need yeah. to do Mamma Mia. Well, and Mamma Mia too, yeah. but and then I need to do Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants too in Greece. Thank God but, they didn't actually go to Greece in my big fat Greek wedding. Oh no, the sequel. <laughs> I um, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants takes place on the island of Santinori, which is the island of Misfit Toys. Gorgeous, yes. like gorgeous. Like there's a lot of gorges. Yeah, lots of gorges everywhere, but it's really hard to like get between the two islands and it's like, I might have to do two separate Greek vacations and where is the money? Um, not in Greece. No. Uh, Mamma Mia. Oh, the GDP of Greece. Mamma Mia. I was, oh wait, so I wanted to talk about Cher. So when Cher, Cher performs Fernando. I had been talking about this a while ago. I have no clue if this is a popular ABBA song. It's popular in our household because our brother loves Cher and he always plays her performance of it when he and I take car trips it's together. It's also popular in our household because of when B. Arthur was on Malcolm in the Middle and yes. she performs it with Dewey. Can you hear the drums, Fernando? Which, like, really does remind me of Cher. Which, well, B. Arthur, this is going to sound questionable at first, but, you know, it's it's true. A lot of people who are considered like a gay icon have kind of a similar energy. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't know what it is, but it seems as if the gay community seems to really rally around show people who are kind of tough old broads yeah. who are taller than a lot of women are. And like, you know, there's just kind of a love it's of that. a little mannish about them. You know? I see, but here's the thing. Well, that's I mean, that would be the easy way into it I, psychologically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I I do agree with what you mean in that like the features we associate with being masculine, and I think this might be true of like Jamie Lee Curtis, who is an incredibly beautiful woman, but has a masculine jawline, and uh, you know, like like you look at her in like Halloween, it's not as if she's if she's beautiful, but like think about her features, like on a technical level, they are. Uh, uh, androgynous uh, in yeah. a way. She has a strong jawline. She has kind of uh, uh, bony arms, like you and know. And this just goes to show, you know, that femininity and masculinity have nothing to do with beauty, because Jamie Lee Curtis is, is one of the, the most, most beautiful, beautiful women I've ever seen. Same thing in my with life. Sigourney Weaver, who has like mm -hmm. literally a square. She has a lantern jaw, like Superman. I've she... never personally understood. I know that so much of the world finds her so gorgeous, including you. 50% of this podcast is real in the Sigourney Weaver. I, I just, I don't know what it is. I would Sigourney Weave her basket any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> that was supposed to be so do stupid it couldn't be dirty, but it actually sounded filthy. It did. <laughs> I think uh, it's the word basket. Anyway, share. <laughs> share. It's the share show starring me. Share. <laughs> there was an ad that would always play on like Spotify and YouTube that was for the share Broadway show. And it was just, it's the share show starring me. Share. And so my brother and I would run around saying that to each other. Like like little schoolgirls. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'd pull each other's pigtails. Um when she shows up and sings Fernando, I started weeping. And Molly looked at me while this was happening. And she was like, are you okay? Like, it was worse than the other times for some reason because I kept yeah, crying. Yeah, and like, I didn't get it because, like, that is not an emotional part to No, me. but that song, like, already kind of makes me cry. Like, I just, I'm very touched. There's something in the air. Okay, yes. But I'm very touched by the notion of, like, 
like life is so fleeting and so short and people live through like really harrowing traumatic things and i'm always kind of like well a i'm really touched by nobility so like people who are willing to sacrifice themselves and it's a song about like people fighting in a revolution and they're not afraid to die and things like that and so already that's like les mis ish so it's already very emotionally tense for me but then like the notion of them being old and gray fernando and like just the notion of people aging and still finding love is very beautiful to me and like then the fireworks go off and it's just like a visual representation of emotion and love and just something is so beautiful about it of like these two people who are very different clearly love each other and there's like not even a discussion of like you broke my heart once it's just like i love you and it's so immediate and then he started lip syncing the words along with her and i'm gonna he's getting a little close up talking I, about it. It was, he he's starts, literally crying he's, he's crying because i can picture in my head she's like up on the balcony and she's singing to him and he just starts quietly he starts quietly mouthing the words. It's really beautiful. Anyway, it reminded me. I cried also when uh, Mel Brooks was watching the tribute to him at the Kennedy Centers. And then Matthew Broderick came out and sang like the one actually emotional song from the producers, which is, um, you know, no one ever, ever uh, really knew me. To him, he filled up my empty life. And then in the the television broadcast of this moment, they cut to Mel Brooks in the balcony and this old, old man who has spent his whole life just making people laugh and bringing them joy, whose wife had been dead for uh, four years at that point, who is this poor kid from Brooklyn who never had a chance in the world and would have done anything just to not work in the garment district his whole life, is sitting next to the president of the United States. A movie star is singing a song that he wrote directly to him. He is crying his cute little old man eyes out, and he just starts quietly moving his mouth along with the song while Matthew Broderick is singing it to him. And I cry every time I watch it. And I will not be okay the day that Mel Brooks leaves this earth. I tell you that right now. <laughs> I was barely okay when Sean Connery left the earth. And he was a bastard. He just made good movies. By the way, if you want to cry, you watch Mike Myers' tribute to Sean Connery. It's on YouTube. It's the AFI Mike Myers tribute to Sean Connery. I cry every time I watch it. It's so beautiful, but it is also so funny. And it is very much my energy in this life which is sad and beautiful. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm trying to cover up the fact that I'm still kind of He's crying. like, see, okay, the Mel Brooks thing makes me cry, but Fernando does not make me cry. Maybe yeah. like on an occasional watch through, maybe I'll get a little choked, but like not, Danny's like literally, he cannot keep it together. I wish you could see this. He I is just thinking crying. about it again. Anyway, so then we get to the end of the movie and they're in the church. And of course, that's the scene that is supposed to make you cry. Yeah, and it, and it does. Like it makes does, it fucking ball. It does. But we get to the, so, you know, there's the end of the movie. It's very emotional. It's three generations of, of this family. And, you know, there's such... Their lives are so non-traditional, which is what really appeals to me about Mamma Mia. It's not like these are people's high school sweethearts and they got married and had 2.5 kids and lived in the suburbs. These people live in different corners of the globe and they have different lifestyles and, you know, their love stories are not neat. They have broken up and gotten back together or they found out they were gay in middle age, you know, like... These are people with kind of messy lives or, you know, they, they're learning to love each other again. 
And it just was so sweet. And I just cried at that. But then the Mamma Mia dance party, which has to end the film because it's an ABBA movie. How could an ABBA movie not end with a dance party? That's what ABBA is. When they did their dance party and Donna and the Dynamos returned for one night only. Let me hold on. What is supposed to be the happy, laughing, hysterical part of the film? Yes. The strongest visual comedy is at this point. The most cathartic dancing, except maybe the Dancing Queen song, where Colin Firth just lets loose and does King of the World and then does disco. And you're so happy. And there's an awkward, there's a great little bit of character choreography because there's an awkward beat where Stellan Skarsgård can't quite hug Rosie. And oh, Uh. It's perfect. It's pitch fucking perfect. It's better than than like fucking La La Land. It's that grand oh, and big and beautiful. We're talk about it. That's the Dancing Queen number is great. But then at the end, where they do the happy number, that like you know, it's obviously not meant to be literally happening in the universe. It's a curtain mm-hmm. call for a musical. It's just you know, here's the actors singing with the young versions of themselves. Here's characters who are dead. Here's characters who don't belong in this time period. Everyone's just dancing to ABBA music because it's really good and they're singing to Super Trooper from the which they did in the first movie as the performance at Sophie's Bachelorette Party. So it's, you know, it's very sweet. Also, it's just a fucking jam. And it's like an easy karaoke song. So they don't feel bad letting Pierce do part of it. Anyway, so... I started crying, but this was the first time where the crying started to make noise. Yeah, and I like was, it was a, it, uh, I, it, you would think he was joking. Guys. I was disrupting like, Molly's he viewing He was experience. like crying, like like a drunk fifty year old woman, like crying. The only way I can cry, or like even like a child, like you know, like when they show the videos of like Aww. kids crying and like yeah. they're like so, or like because. You know, like they're so happy they're crying. You've seen him. That's what Danny was doing. And he's like narrating, but he's like crying. And he's like, <laughs> I can't. Like it was, he was so red. His face was redder than I've, I've, well, not that I've ever seen, but but up there, really up there. You've seen me it break out in high. Yeah, yeah. Th- yeah. This wasn't quite that, but no. it was beautiful. It, I was, And then I was like laughing so hard because Danny yeah. was just cracking me up. And it was just this thing where every time they would bring out a new cast member for their curtain call, I would go, oh, yeah. And it sounds like, doesn't that sound like he's making that voice as a joke? Like it wasn't like those were the genuine yeah. noises coming out of him. I started to make the noise that you make when you're crying but you're out of breath and you're like <sighs> Yeah, he was like shaking. It was a, an emotional ride. I was so happy. It was like I found love, but it was a movie and it was called Mamma Mia, here we go again. It's true. Now, Mamma Mia 2, Papa Pia. I have to I have to go on my rant now. Please do your thing. Because this is a show about the little things yeah. in life, as Danny likes to say. Rain this on is, my parade, motherfucker. This is the show about this is a show about the things we obsess over. The things that keep us up at night. The things that get under our skin. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down for you all. Um, I would like to yell at everyone from the years like two thousand and four to two thousand and eight. <laughs> If you existed in that time period, I'm yelling at you right now. The second term of the George W. Bush administration? (laughs) Not for the reason you'd think. Maybe we just didn't want joy in our lives then. I don't know what the fuck it was. But let me tell you. Two of the greatest movies that I've ever known. Two of the movies that are in my favorite movie list are Mamma Mia Mm -hmm. 
and the producers. Mm. These are two movie musicals that bring me so much genuine joy and laughter, and I think are flawless adaptations of their stage productions in a way that feels like I'm watching a movie musical. They both exude so much joy for me. Mm-hmm. They both received horrible critical reviews. Mamma right. Mia has a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mamma Mia was not nominated for any Oscars. Right. Mamma Mia didn't win any Golden Globes. They, or, they, won, they won nothing. It's a crime. Yes. Meryl Streep was fantastic in that movie. Mm-hmm. I think these are both genuinely good movie musicals. Then you get to something like Les Mis, which is nominated for Oscars, which everyone heralds as this fantastic movie musical. And it's not. It's right. just not. Yeah, you have maybe better singers, but it's not better performances. And now, yes, the joy that is exuded in Mamma Mia is not exuded in something like Les Mis. That's a very much more emotional. It's a different film. kind of emotional catharsis. It's a different kind of emotional roller coaster. It is, and yes, Les yeah. Mis doesn't give me that emotional catharsis that I I love of Les Mis. I love Les Mis. It's my favorite Broadway show, but I don't get that from the movie. The movie's so serious, but it's not serious enough because it's a musical. It's weird. It's supposed to be melodrama, but they just shot it like an actual drama, and therefore it feels like it's a drama that's too silly. Melodrama is over the top, and that's what musicals are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the old cliche as espoused by uh, Howard Ashman, the late, great Howard Ashman. I don't know why I'm talking... Like I'm at a Trump rally. I was doing the <laughs> Howard Ashman, the great Howard Ashman. We love him, don't we, folks? Don't we love little Howie Ashman, Beauty and the, the Beast? We, we don't need to do him anymore. We don't need to do yeah, him okay. anymore. Sorry. Um, yeah, but... Uh, melodrama. We should have never done him in the first place. But uh, melodrama. So it's like, you know, the old cliche is that uh, in a musical you sing when the emotions are too powerful to just talk about. You have to sing about them. And then when it's too powerful to sing about them, you just fucking dance it out like you're in Footloose. Uh, but <laughs> that's the old cliche. And Les Mis is a melodrama, which is way bigger and everything is the most important thing that ever happened. So Les Mis is literally so big, you never stop singing because every emotion is that fucking big. And then the movie is filmed like it's a small, intimate drama that is two people whispering to each other when in reality, you know, it's written to be And it's too dark. It's got that weird it tone over it. It is hard to see. The it. color grading is very great. Horrible. And then I bring Terrible. it to Into the Woods, a film that I do love. Mm-hmm. I love Into the Woods. I thought they did great. Mm-hmm. But does it match the same energy I get from the producers in Mamma Mia? No. I bring you to La La Land, a great film. I love La La Land. La La Land is close with these, I'd say. Really? But La La Land is something new and original. It's different. That's just a musical that is a movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a movie of a musical. Different set of circumstances. But that's still nominated. A strange set of circumstances. What? But they follow that thing of we're having actors sing that aren't necessarily the best singers. Yeah. And we were fine with that. And we nominated them for Oscars. But they don't exude the joy that Mamma Mia does. I mean, it, it, I love La La Land. Yeah. But it's different. Meryl's performance is just as good as Emma Stone's, if not better. It's fucking Meryl Streep. 
she brings me to tears every time I get chills in better. Uh, the winner takes it all. Better. You know why? Nothing. You know why it's better? Why? I'll tell you why it's better. Anyone can make you cry when they're talking about heartbreak, when yeah. they're singing about their dreams and things like that. Meryl Streep has made me cry with the music of ABBA. Yeah. The happiest, poppiest, even a sad ABBA song sounds happy because they are ABBA. They are a froofy, fluffy band. That does not mean we should ignore the art of their work. That Just because something is popular, just because something has a veneer of, of positivity to it does not mean we should dismiss it because serious art equals suffering, which is a dangerous mindset that results in creative people not seeking treatment, mm-hmm. by the way. Like in that Jim Carrey documentary. Anyway, uh, so I it, it, like ABBA is, is pop music. It's the difference between someone making me cry with Shakespeare, yeah, and someone making me cry with the lyrics to "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go." Right. If you could, like, it, it's that meme people always do. You know, uh, uh, um. Reese Witherspoon is legally is from Legally Blonde, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not crazy. Okay, yeah. Reese Witherspoon could have made Lincoln work, but uh, Daniel Day Lewis could not have made Legally, Legally Blonde. Blonde. Yeah, and I feel that sometimes. I really, really do. I I did that joke today with Ryan because he sent me a video of the uh, Greg Griffin, who's a voice actress. She plays mm-hmm. Daphne on Scooby Doo. Of her reading the Trump losing election tweets, but as Azula from Avatar: The Last Airbender, <laughs> and she actually like did her hair up like Aww. the character and everything because she plays that character. And it was funny because it's like. Like, haha, that's a crazy supervillain right. going on a losing streak. So she's reading, you know. Um, and then what I sent back was, see, she can make those Trump tweets work, but Trump could never make Vicky the babysitter work. And then I sent Ryan like a long rambling voice message of me just breathing heavily <laughs> saying, little Timmy Turner, <sighs> such a twerp. <laughs> like, not even doing the voice, just breathing like <laughs> well, Anyway. But it's a good point. Yeah, Meryl it, really works with this shit. And, and the... The emotional range of Mamma Mia, yeah. I would say it's on par with that in La La Land. La La Land brings me all over the place, too. But it, it's just, I, I think it's a crime that those movies got neglected because they are very much what old movie musicals were, which was we weren't trying to make them a serious movie. We just let them be musicals. And I, I miss that. And But Mamma Mia 2, all these years later, when movie musicals are big again, mm-hmm. We, we get pretty good reviews. It's like a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And and all the critics were baffled from the critical reviews. You see things like, you know, Mamma Mia dares to like yeah. baffle me with how good it is. I hate and, that shit where people backhandedly compliment something. Yeah. You know, it was like when, when Spider-Verse came out, people were like, could an animated film actually be good? <laughs> or yeah. like fucking, when, when any time, the three times in history an animated feature has been nominated for Best Picture, people have been like, a cartoon is a real movie. <laughs> when like, fuck you, all right? You don't remember fucking any movie that came out in, in fucking 1941, all right? Nobody's watching fucking anything from 1941, but all y'all motherfuckers remember 
remember Pinocchio, that shit stayed with you. Animation is important, and it sticks with us more than anything, and that's why Disney can shit out a crummy remake of The Lion King, and it'll become the highest-grossing animated thing in history because those movies mean things to us because they are emotionally impactful, because animation reaches everyone regardless of age, gender, race, or class because it is a simplification of things, because it strips down uh, a human face to its simplest features, and, and pareidolia, the, the human brains need to see patterns and see faces in things where they do not exist, makes us relate to these simple characters because we can feel for them whether or not they look anything like us. We can cry for Mickey Mouse. Animation is really important. And so are musicals. Well, yes. So, Mommy, here we go again. Despite the fact that we don't like those kind of reviews, it did better. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons why. success at the box office. And it is because it wasn't a musical. Like, not to be that guy. But musicals, they don't have plots. Like, they don't. Like, musicals' plots are, like, ideas that you give in, like, an elevator pitch for a chopstick plot. A chopstick plot. And and that's it. Like, that's all a musical is. Mamma Mia 2, Bafo Box Office. Oh, absolutely. 395 million worldwide, not even including... Oh, video sales and rentals. Because uh, let me tell you right now, the 4K all right, 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray is flying off the shelves. It's like an HD DVD. But yeah, so I Mama don't, Mia too. I don't know. If Twenty, you know, eighteen was just more ready for Mamma Mia. Yeah. Or or what it was, or if it's people were really looking for a story, or they were just so good with that young casting that it it threw it through the roof. I don't know, but people liked that one more to the point where they are making a Mamma Mia three. Mamma three, yeah. Mama Thria. Mama Thria. If they don't call it that, they... They're using... I had read this. I don't know if this is true because it was just sourced through Wikipedia. But I I heard that they're doing like new ABBA songs, like from ABBA did some reunion thing or whatever. And yeah, they're using I, some new ones, which I is fine by me. Like that. Uh, I look, don't know. The only ones they have to include, like legally, <laughs> you know, are Dancing it's Queen, Queen right. and Mamma Mia. I don't know if it's going to be the same cast or like what the plot line could be. I am concerned about if it's the same cast because that we're really going to have to stretch to get Meryl into this one. <laughs> It's, it just takes place in, in, in heaven. It's Could you heaven. imagine an, they die one by one and then there were none style and it just ends with all of them in heaven like with little you harps doing a dance. dance. <laughs> um, you, you can dance. You can die. Having um, the time of I have a question life. for you, Danny. So yes. along this line. I don't care if, by the way, I don't care if everyone in the movie is 90 years old. I want them back. I want Colin Firth and Pierce Brosnan again. Yeah. And if Stellan Skarsgård will get out of bed for no less than 20 million, that's what we're spending on him. Yep. I agree. Now, Daniel. Mm-hmm. The I, fuck is Amanda Seyfried doing? I'm sorry, go on. Well, she was in Les Mis. Mom, um, but, so here's my question for you, Danny. So yeah. producers didn't do well. Yeah. Um, Mamma Mia didn't do well. In between the producers and Mamma Mia, we have Hairspray, which was a big success. Yes. They have a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. What did Hairspray do different in the year 2007 that its, its bookends did not do? Why was that a success? I'd like to, to plead yes. Zac Efron. This has never, yes. Now, you've not brought this up to me previously, so these are going to be some yeah, raw, this is... just stream of consciousness here. Yeah. Okay, uh, first of all, the producers, I love it and think it's perfect, and it's a perfect recording of the stage version, which is what I want yes. for historical purposes, because I was a baby when it happened, and it is a phenomenon, and it still the most Tony Awards ever won by a show. Hamilton didn't beat it. It was close, but it didn't. Um I'm glad that there is basically a verbatim version of that, but, you know, two movie stars sub in for the cast members who are busy. Great. Perfect. You know, there's two or three songs they cut. It's fine. So I love that. That's what I want. Cinematically, 
a discerning movie critic would want more. They would want something that is more tightly edited, something with more dynamic camera angles. They would want something that is more like Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again, which, like, the directing styles of those musicals are very different. You'll notice in the producers when a big number comes up, like Along Came Bialy, pretty much just happens as a big musical number like he he moves around to different locations but you can remember how that would be on stage basically like you go like okay this part where he's walking out onto the street like there's a reason why there's not a section of that song where he's walking down the staircase out of his building because in the stage version they would just roll away the set of his office and he would be on the street already right you know so you like you see the seams and you get where that would go mama mia 2 here we go again like something like the waterloo sequence is like that is dynamically directed you could not do that on stage you can't suddenly cut to them with their heads sticking out of trays and then in the next shot they're behind a group it's a it's right. a the, the movie gives them an opportunity to do things they'd never yes, be able to do yes and those transitions stage. between scenes where they hold on a an image that was on screen as a live action thing suddenly it's a painting or we start with a live action shot of grease suddenly it's a postcard the moon becomes a disco ball you know like very cinematic very cinematically directed and also just like less stage play -y. So I think that's why critics reacted better to something like Hairspray. Hairspray, the movie, the remake that is, not the original. Yeah. Hairspray, the movie musical, barely feels like a, a stage musical at all. You know, it, it, it feels very cinematic to me. It looks like the colors are bright, but in that mid-2000s way, much like they are in Mamma Mia, where it's like, all of this is very bright, but somehow everything has a texture to it. I think it's like when they would digitally process film, it looked like that kind of. Mm -hmm. And the producers has a little bit of that, but it's so bright, the producers, which is, yeah. I love that aesthetic. I love that, that as well. You know, but it's I don't not, like things that it's less movie-ish. I, I think it's the reason critics went crazy and loved Les Mis, and that won, a, that won an Oscar for Anne Hathaway, at least. Like, because that movie took something that was for the stage and then movied it up. Critics seem to value realism over something being conceptually good. Right. Like Spider-Verse, I was so happy when that was a hit because it's so unrealistic. Right. It is so out there. And animation, especially CGI animation, just keeps trending more and more towards realism. Look at, you know, Incredibles 2. The original Incredibles has very stylized character design. They carried that over into Incredibles 2 but now everything has the most realistic texture in the world on it. Right. The shirts that are cotton look well, like they're made of yeah. cotton, you know. I think that might be why Hairspray did better because it was more realistic because the cast was all movie stars, no Broadway people. Mm. Did that work for Mamma Mia? No. No, but that's because Mamma Mia doesn't try to touch on anything serious. Hair, like, you know, there's romance, there's relationships, but it's all, you know, these people are not desperately poor or something. She would like more money to run the hotel, but it's not it's not a big deal. She's I making think, it. My, 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 Hairspray is about racism, you know? Like, there's something there. Well, I think the audience has a lot to do with it, too. So mm -hmm. who is coming to see these movies? You know, I do think the producer's downfall 
I think what, what makes the producers great is that, like we said, right? It's the people from the Broadway. It's it's as close as we could get to filming a Broadway show without just filming the Broadway show, which they should have done. Which they should have done. We got to break into the Lincoln Center one we day because really they to. have all the shows on tape. There, I know. We we really have. to. Why are they not available to the public? <sighs> someday, so that they can release it someday for us to. I have considered film. lying about making a documentary just so oh. I can go there and watch things. Yeah. I want to be like, oh, I'm a student filmmaker. Now you've just told them. I'm making a documentary about Nathan Lane, so you have to let me watch a funny thing happen on the way to the forum and also the producers. Yeah. Oh, and his uh, play where he played the president, I think it was written by Aaron Sorkin, maybe David Mamet, I don't remember which one's which, but you gotta let me watch it. But, no, I have no idea what I was saying. Mm. Oh, so... The audience. I think that it's great that they did it when they did because of that, but also I think it was so close to when that was on Broadway that people weren't really going to see the movie. You know, like if you wanted to see the producers, you saw it on Broadway pretty much. Yeah. And same thing with Mamma Mia. Like, Mamma Mia came out while Mamma Mia was still on Broadway. Yeah. If you wanted to see Mamma Mia, as much as you might love Meryl Streep and all that, like, the, the Broadway people saw Mamma Mia on Broadway. Yeah. Broadway people don't like when movie stars are just in movies. No. They're not a fan of that. I, I don't mind it. But And then also, you know, Hairspray had Zac Efron that brought in a young crowd to come and see that movie. Yes. But it also had classic movie stars. You got walking and yeah, Travolta, and that brings in Queen the older people too. Yeah. And Mamma it... Mia has Meryl Streep, which and Pierce Brosnan and, and Colin Firth. These stars, absolutely, but they are more adult stars. Yeah. It's a little bit more of a more adult movie. Amanda Seyfried's the young person in that movie, and like all we knew her from was like Mean Girls, if yeah. that. Though, like people don't even recognize that as the same person half the time. Can I pitch you a weird idea? Yeah. And it is based on what you're saying about who the audience is. Mm-hmm. Do we think maybe this has some element of misogyny to it? Now, I'm willing to admit that Mamma Mia, the first one, is not as good of a movie as Mamma Mia, Here yes. We Go Again. I think that is an improvement in filmmaking, objectively. Like, that's it's a better movie. It's better written. It's It was definitely funnier. I love that guy who checks the passports. He was very good. Time has aged you beautifully, uh, like a fine wine. No, I I love that guy. Mm-hmm. Like the comedy in that was better. I I like that one better. I will say, and it didn't. Fernando, Molly, I just I can't with Mamma Mia too. It's so fucking good. But Mamma Mia one is better than you know fifty five percent. That means nearly half the critics who saw it gave it a bad review. Right. Like an overwhelmingly bad review. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, So you're I, wondering if it's misogyny. I'm wondering if it's misogyny because Hairspray, the original, is a very camp movie. It's it's a it's a John Waters movie. You know, there's drag queens. It's it's popular with that cult audience. You know, mm-hmm. and then the remake of it is kind of how do I put this? It's sanitized. It's ungayed up a little. It's like we mm-hmm. don't have a drag queen or a gay man playing Edna. We have a straight guy in drag, and that kind of inherently, yeah. inher- <laughs> even if John Travolta is good in the movie, inherently makes it feel a little bit more like a joke at a at a drag queen's expense. Right, and we have white saviorism. Throughout we have the, the whole, whole white saviorism. Exactly. Yes, but you know, as opposed that. to, I think that would be Jewish true. in the producers. We have we have. The, the Jewish writer and yeah. and the J- Jewish humor, and then we have a whole female centric movie in Mamma Mia. Yeah. Now, which it's entirely it very possible. Mia, the audience for that is wine moms. Yes. Hundred percent. The first Mamma Mia is wine moms, and then every once in a while, yeah. a teenage girl eats yeah, in there. Mother it's, daughter. It's the opposite of a hairspray. 
uh, sorry, it's the opposite of uh, Twilight, where it's like that is primarily for teenage girls, and a wine yeah. mom sneaks in every now and then. It's it's a thing that mothers and daughters would enjoy. Yeah. And I've talked about this before on the show. I really think that society judges those things much more harshly than they do the masculine equivalent. Mm-hmm. People will drag something like Twilight. Now, Twilight's a bad movie, but yeah. we don't have to talk about that. They'll drag something like Twilight. They'll drag something like Mamma Mia. But a shitty Batman movie comes out, and it's like, yeah, it was fine. Right. Like, you know, it just and, doesn't get uh, the drubbing. Yeah, there's a, a there's a societal societal there's there's an expectation that these movies are going to be bad before they come out or that these movies are going to be lame or that they're just for women and all of this. Like, and Mamma Mia definitely got that rap right away. Mm. I think is like, like, like no offense to you. Like you didn't want to watch Mamma Mia. No, I didn't because I, because I thought it wouldn't be funny. I thought it would just be like wine mom humor. Like I need another glass of Chardonnay, but it's, it's fun. It's, it's charming. Fu- it's it's fun, and it is for it is for a particular kind of audience. I'm not going to pretend it's not. And yeah. I, I would like to say something about the comparison of the two movies because I is Mamma Mia two a better movie? Yes, in the cinematic ways, yeah. absolutely. The, let me actually, I'll put it this way: the past in Mamma Mia two mm-hmm. is a great movie. Yeah, I personally. Do not like the present in Mamma Mia 2. Fascinating, because I love the present stuff. And I I, I, I like a lot of it. Yeah. I like the middle. I do not like the beginning of Mamma Mia 2. Oh, I. It, you know how I feel. Yes, I know. I like Pierce Brosnan being mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. That's done well. Amanda Seyfried in Mamma Mia 2 bothers me. Like her way, I feel like the way her stuff is written, it's so cheesy. Like her fight with Sky right in the beginning yeah. is just like, well, I guess there's nothing left fighting for him. Like we are two minutes into the movie. There was no build. We're just in it. And like, it's weird. Like the last we saw you, you were not getting married. Today. It, it, so that it feels very choppy for me. A lot of the parts yeah. in the present. Um, and And it feels a little like. You know how we said that it felt like they were going to not bring in Colin and Stellan? Yeah. The whole movie in the present and the beginning feels like that to me. Yeah. Like they're doing a bunch of those those tropes. As it goes on, it definitely gets better. I And then like the end is like what it is. It's like random that shares there. But like I'll take it. Like I enjoy that. Yeah. But I don't think that that's great storytelling. I like it Because a we lot. build up to grandma coming so much yeah. for her to do pretty much nothing. Right, but that's the thing that I enjoyed very much about the Mamma Mia movies is that there's nothing for her to do. Yeah, this, and that's what I enjoy, but I don't think that yeah. makes it like a good movie, well, movie-wise, you I know, quote-unquote, I'm putting air quotes. Yes, for yes. I think that to a certain degree, like, there's, uh, like, yeah, there is really nothing for her to do. Mm-hmm. You know, she just kind of shows up and you kind of figure out why she wouldn't have gotten along well with Donna. She's an incredibly critical woman. She's very much a diva, you know, but you kind of like her because she's got spunk in that way that John Mulaney was talking about this recently. You get along with your grandma, but you're kind of like, why is mom so scared of that old woman? Like, you know, it's like you get the sense that that would be a horrible thing to grow up with, but she's fun as like a tough old broad. You know, But what about Mama Mia 1? I see her as more of a completion of her appearance real quick in Mamma Mia 2. I see that almost as more of a completion of Andy Garcia's character arc as this this sort of unhappy man who runs this hotel with Sophie. And it's like, he's really sad and you're not sure why. And he's like very charming to the women when he meets them. But the whole thing is like, he never really smiles. And then like, 
Cher shows up and it's like, oh, that's why he's not happy is because he misses Cher. He misses mm-hmm. the love of his life. And it's like that to me is a good enough moment. And it's also like I it's that thing of like in a musical, I can't be upset if Cher shows up to sing a song. Right. I can't be upset if like and now uh, who's a famous dancer? I don't know. Barish, it would be like if Barishnikov, show, Barishnikov showed up in a movie and then all of a sudden we were watching ballet and I'd be like, yes, Barishnikov is here. We should do a ballet. It's like right. how they did that SpongeBob special where David Bowie played the King of Atlantis and it was a musical special. And I'm like, why the fuck doesn't David Bowie sing? Like, yeah. it's so crazy that they had the guy who plays Plankton do a number, but David yeah. Bowie doesn't. Yeah. Do no, I, I feel you. It'd be weird I, if she didn't show up. And that's kind of yeah. it, though, to me is like, and you're right, that is the completion of Andy's character. Yeah. But, I don't care enough about Andy's character for all of the movie up till that point. Yeah. He's so irrelevant to me. I'm like, why are you here? He's only here to have a reason for Cher to be there, which is actually like the most musical thing that's ever happened because that was a big thing in so many musicals. Yeah. That someone random comes out at the end, like saves the day. She doesn't really save the day here, but she's here. She acts like she saves the day. It's just this little twist that's just there just to have and it, and it's fine and I think it's because I needed a, a, a star to get people to see it since Meryl yeah. was not there but Mamma Mia 1 I will make the argument for it of I do think it's almost more cohesive while I, I said like there wasn't much of a plot like this still was a successful Broadway musical like it does still take it me it takes me on a very linear journey where I care about all of the stakes the whole time like, I care about her finding out who her dad is. I'm here for the wacky hijinks that are going to ensue while, like, who knows what we don't know and all that. And it has a nice wrap up. Yeah. We have, like, three extra songs we don't need at the end. Yeah. But I'm happy they're there, except the one that I, I forgot was there. Super Trooper or Waterloo? No, no. The one that he sings after they get married. Oh, when Pierce is, oh, when he's doing his speech at the table. When all is said and done. I get why that has to be in the movie and I actually liked watching that scene. It felt nice to watch. It's just that like, you know, Pierce is not a vocalist and that's the whole criticism of his performance and I think that's the one time where his vocals really don't work because he just has to sing a tender ballad and it's almost like he could have done more speak singing. Yeah. And it would have worked fine, you know. Like if he had just done when all is said and done like if he just kind of talked it it would have been a little better because it is a speech he's giving yeah and, and i i like that part like you said i like watching it yeah. it just feels long to sometimes me. they'll speak in lyrics a little bit like they'll say a little phrase from a song unrelated to the oh, do number. they yeah like they'll just i it like sometimes just to tee up a number oh, yeah. they'll kind of go like like him saying she was our dancing queen things like that yeah. like if he had just done the lyrics to you know, when all is said and done, like if he had just said that as his speech, I would have been like, okay, cool. But anyway, yeah, but especially because I got to wait for Take a Chance on Me. And, yes, that's, and that's such that's a banger. That's the thing is that you're, yeah. you're waiting for the big number. I, But I, I enjoy, I genuinely enjoy it like all the way through. I don't know. I just think they're both good films. I do think probably that it being all women that it's based on does play a factor, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really explain the producers why that didn't do well. I was just wondering if there was a correlation because, like I said, I was mad at everyone from 2005 yeah. to well, 2004 for not appreciating for not appreciating it. But right. you you gave Hairspray the love, which I support. I love Hairspray. Hairspray is I think up there it's with a me. pretty good movie version of that musical. Yeah, you can say there's a lot of criticism of it, absolutely, but yeah. I I do genuinely enjoy that. That brings me joy i don't know i don't know what it is i really maybe it's i it could just come down to presentation it's like the producers was not trying to hide its staginess yeah 
Hairspray was really trying to hide its staginess. There is almost nothing stage yeah, musical nothing. about it. It's it's a movie. This is how actually the great way to explain it is the choreography. And then the Mamma that Mia. That is what will yeah. do it. Mamma like, Mia yeah. matches that choreography. Of, and it makes sense because the producer is directed by a director slash choreographer. Right. So in the producers, when you have a dance number, the camera is facing them and they are yeah. dancing linearly. The Gutentag hop clop is us facing the camera and dancing, looking at the audience as yeah. though you are on a stage. And there's a pause after it for applause, yeah, which is so <laughs> funny when you watch it. You're just like, wow, she really thought people would be clapping in the theater. And I did. I cheered. Um, I didn't see it in the theater. I was a child. It was rated R. Yeah. Um, and but... yet they took you. No, it's PG. 13. Well, so. I was probably told it was rated R. Oh, okay. So I they took you to the it. Broadway play when you were seven. I know. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, but. Um, and Mamma Mia is the same thing, right? So that, that dancing on the dock is a straight shot, which we we do, they turn away with it more, Mamma Mia. Like we do get some aerial shots where it's like a little bit different. But a lot of the choreography is straight in the big yeah. numbers like that. Um, not as much so in the producers. Whereas a hairspray, like it's all over the place. Like you're you're dancing, you're going into different rooms. It's... Hi, this is hard to explain, not visually, but y'all are getting what I'm saying. Yeah, it's very, it looks like an old musical, the producers. It looks like yeah. something from the 40s or the 50s. Hairspray looks like a modern movie. And then Mamma Mia, it might come down to, it's kind of like watching karaoke or, or yeah, it's like watching your says. friends dance. And it, and, it, and it might be, and that's why I love it, because it does yeah. feel that it is so familiar. And I think mm -hmm. also there's just such a criticism of ABBA too, like yeah. in general, like ABBA's seen as yes. a joke. And because... It's girly. And I. this might not be active on people's minds when they criticize ABBA, but think yeah. about it. It's like the disco-y costumes, men with long hair, yeah. songs that are happy, songs that are about love, songs that have kind of a, a 70s camp yeah. vibe to them, a little gay uh, disco energy to it. And and this is real. Like, I mean, even in uh, Gravity Falls, which is a cartoon for children, there's an episode called Dipper versus Manliness where he, uh, Dipper, who's a 12-year-old kid, is like starting to go through puberty and he's embarrassed that people don't think he's manly. And part of the reason they don't think he's manly is because he likes to sing to a fictional band called Baba, and they are referred to exclusively as girly Icelandic pop sensation Baba. And their song is called Disco Girl, mm. which is like disco dancing. Yeah. You get the bit. So basically, in universe, he is ridiculed for this, and so he is sent to go kill this three-headed bear that lives in a cave. And uh, it's this test of manliness, and he really doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to have to kill something, and it can speak, and it's like a living thing and he's about to kill this bear and the bear goes I have one last request I would like to die listening to my favorite song and then his favorite song is Disco Girl Aww. and it's by Baba and they sing it together and it's like as much as this is a cartoon for children it's a very like serious thing like you can like stuff just because something is girly because it is for girls that doesn't mean it's not great you know, and that doesn't mean I'm sorry, but also that doesn't mean that it's for girls. Like, yeah. you can I, I don't know. If and the, men would rather do the kill men know something. it out there? Do men out there, do you know it's okay to be happy? Like, listen, I really? know that the term Seriously. gay is a synonym for happy. Yeah, fellas, but is it's it gay okay. To feel joy? It's okay <laughs> to be happy. Like, it's okay to just have pure bliss and pure yeah. joy. No one has to be gruesomely murdered, or yeah. or doesn't have to be like this dark film that I can't see or this music that's all about pain. Like, be fucking happy. Like, maybe people would be less miserable if they would just listen to fucking ABBA music instead of, like, their sad, yeah. crying music. Watching the Mamma Mia movies 
I said this almost immediately after. It felt like a year of therapy. Yeah. It really did. I was so, I felt clear. It's like when you eat something hot and your sinuses get cleared out and you can breathe for the first time in a month. Yeah. It was just like, oh my God. Like I, I was, I, <laughs> there's, this is a very specific reference, but when has that ever stopped me before? At the end of All-Star Superman, which is this wonderful Superman, there's a, it's a graphic novel, but then they also made it as a movie. So, you know, it's 70 minutes long. It's on HBO Max. It'll take you no time to watch and you'll be a richer man for having watched it. <laughs> but there's a part where Lex Luthor gets Superman's powers for 24 hours and he starts to have a mental breakdown because he was about to take over the world. And then Lex Luthor just starts crying because he realizes he can see every atom in the universe. He can see the building blocks of existence. And he realizes that there's nothing out there. All we have is each other. All there is is life. And all that matters is trying to be a good person and help each other because that's really all there is to the universe. There's no great secret. It's just if you really looked at it all, we have each other and that's all that matters. And he breaks down and cries and his superpowers start to wear off. And he says to Superman, don't you understand all the good I could have done with your powers? And Superman just looks at him and says, if you cared about that, you would have saved the world a long time ago. You're a billionaire and a genius. <laughs> and it's the truest thing that's ever been said. It's like just people will get so angry about the thing they hate that they never stop to save the world with their uh, vast resources. I don't know why I'm talking about this right after a presidential election where a billionaire yeah. lost to a moderate liberal. Anyway, um, point is... Yeah. Um, Watching Mamma Mia made me feel like Lex Luthor in that moment. I was like, we're all we've got. It's just love and good wine and music and food and, and grease and beauty and the simple things of nature and telling people you, that, that you care about them and, and going to your daughter's hotel opening. Like, yeah. Well, it's all that matters. And being a third of someone's dad. Oh, I cried when uh, Colin When he first, says that, being when, a third of her dad, like that's more of a child than I ever thought I'd get. And I'm like, saying. that's good enough for me. And like, it, it is, that's moving. Sweetest and it's, thing. it's sweet. And the fact that these three men are just so willing to yeah. be best friends. They've never met each other before. <laughs> They're they so have. willing to be best friends yeah. now. And then. They literally talk like, he's my best friend yeah. in the world. <laughs> and they like, when they show up, Pierce Brosnan like hugs, hugs the them. other two. Like, you fuckers, I miss yeah, you. Yeah, it's like, All but they're because... so willing to be this girl's dad. Yes. The three of them. Like, that would never happen in real life. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> but that would never happen. Three men in real life. Like, I, I get so mad at three Rosie. Three men and a baby. Yeah. I get so mad at Rosie when she's like, you know, of course, as soon as you go looking for your dad, three show up. I'm like, no, that would never happen. That would never happen. You want to get three dads. Like, that just wouldn't happen. But they're so willing to be like, yeah, it does doesn't matter whose baby this actually is. Yeah. Let's all be your dad because we love this kid. We love this woman. And we're just men who are going to be genuine friends. We're not going to be yeah. afraid to hug each other. We're not going to be afraid to dance with each other. We're not going to be afraid to sing to each other. Yeah. We all fuck the same woman. We're cool with it. We're not jealous freaks. Right? Like, they're just friends. And I love that. It's a happiness that does not exist in the world. What's great about it is that any other musical, here is exactly what would happen. Towards the end of Act One, they would all find out that Donna had boinked each of them. Mm -hmm. They would get angry that they f they would feel lied to about this girl being their daughter. They would all leave the island, and then they would come back at the last minute to be like, you know, I thought about it, and I guess I can give you away at the wedding. Like, that's what would happen yeah. in any other musical. Instead, you know what the end of Act One is? All three of them happily agree Reason. to give her away. Like... Three people are dying to love and support this woman. And like Colin Firth is willing to financially support this hotel because he's a banker. Like all three of them are immediately like, of course, I'll give you away at the wedding. As soon as they find out that's the, what she and wants. And they've never met her before. It's no. crazy. And it's crazy. And it makes me so happy that the conflict is just, oh, no, all three of them love me. Uh -huh. And then it's like going into act two. It's just like. 
I have two dates to the prom. Like that's that. It's, it, that's what it is. It's but that. Three. But then at the end, all three dates to the prom are like, oh, we oh, could just yeah. do this we, together. We should have gone together to begin with. Yeah, yeah. You want to bring I a fourth it. date? Your mom? Cool. So, and you know what that is? That's putting our fucking toxic masculinity and alpha yes, male shit aside. Absolutely. And that's coming from Pierce Brosnan, a James Bond man, a manly man. I will say. He, of all the James Bonds, was the most gentlemanly. There you go. So, as a lover, as a fighter. So to all of you out there who have not seen Mamma Mia, yeah. and, I, and I'm going to speak specifically to the men. And I know Danny's a little... Let's hear it for the Danny. boys. Um, I know Danny's a little Danny. So he um, might not be in, in the same interest of a, a lot of men. Like men. So other men might have different tastes, and that's fine. You might not love Mamma Mia, but... I'm going to challenge you all out there. Yeah. Men, women, non-binary folk, and everybody in between. Mm-hmm. Go watch Mamma Mia and then go right in and watch Mamma Mia too. Yeah. Take a chance on, on this film because let like let yourself feel the joy. I challenge you in these times, these depressing dark times. Yeah. You know, and, and for some people, you know, if you want, like, yeah, it'll be a little bit more fun probably if you get a little drunk. Go mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. If not, if you're the, the actors kind actors of, clearly are. Actors are. That's cool. If, <laughs> but also, like, you know, you, and you don't have to be. I, you enjoy that. We were stone sober watching that. Yes. My boyfriend watched it with me like two days later. And he was enjoying some wine with it. We had a fantastic time. Yeah. It, it's a great film. I really do implore you to just let yourself experience true joy. Mm-hmm. Um, let us know what you think. Do you love Danny's like on the verge of tears He's, again? You have to tell. Um, it in really well this please time. tweet us. Um, you know, hashtag Mamma Mia. Yeah. Um, or whatever you want. Hashtag. What, what should we give him for a hashtag? Nobody tweets me anyway. Hashtag Papa Pia. Hashtag Papa Pia. Um, let us know what your ideas for the third Mamma Mia movie would be. Yeah, yeah. Tell us your ideas for the third Mamma Mia movie, and um. Please don't break my heart too bad. Tell us how Meryl's going to come in because she's got to make a yeah. cameo at least. So I would love you to tell us your ideas. Let us know what you think of the movie. Do you love Mamma Mia? Do you have a reason you think Mamma Mia mm. and the producers didn't do well but Hairspray did? Like, let me know what, what you okay, think. Okay, if you can figure out why people like the Hairspray movie, tell us because like, I like okay. the movie just fine but like, why did it do well? Yeah, like I, movie musicals don't do well. This is again like, I'm sorry but like Into the Woods, Oscar nominations, yeah. you know, Lame is Oscar nominations, like all the movie musicals now, it's because now movie musicals are in, and I guess like they just weren't then. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, don't let know. me know what y'all think. It's not like cats do. Let well. us know. Well, well, cats is cats. Follow me home. Let us know <laughs> what you think. Um, to, what if let yourself experience the, the yeah. joy, please. Yeah. Please experience Treat yourself pure joy. To Treat Mama yourself. Mia and Mama Mia 2. Here we go again. Yeah, I keep adding the number in there. It's just called Mama Mia. Here we go again. If you Google Mama Mia too, it'll come up. It'll come up. It's yeah. it's we all. Call I'm it really that. excited for Mama Thria. Like Mama I really Thria. Am. I'm excited. Not yeah. that I know it's a thing. I can't wait. Uh, what song do you want to fade out over? Obviously, it's yeah. ABBA, so we have so many choices for like good ABBA songs. But I feel like we should almost stretch ourselves to figure out something funny. Uh, here. I mean, I want Dancing Queen. I want Waterloo. Oh, you know what we should do? We should do Disco Girl, the fake song from Gravity Falls. <laughs> Uh, no, that's not um, fun. Uh, um, um, I I would give the people just a jam. Give them a jam. Yeah. Do you want to do... Um, okay. What's your favorite song in Mamma Mia? Probably Dancing Queen. Dancing it Queen? It really is. But I also love SOS. I do. 
Should we fade out over just Pierce Brosnan crying, Wait, singing? Fade out whenever he does. My wife. Let's fade out over Borat performing ABBA. <laughs> I'm sleepy. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Take your pick. Be Aborat? surprised. Aborat. Aborat. <laughs> no me grishka. If you want to pay for my vacation to Greece, I'll give you my Venmo. Thank you. If you want to pay for my vacation, I'll send you my Venmo. Make it last forever. Greece never ends. Thank you, everybody. All right. I'll fade out over fucking Dancing Queen. Oh, yeah. You got it. You, you got it. This music, if nothing else, Mama If you Mia, won't watch the movie, at least you'll get a little piece of joy at the end of this. And let me say something right now. If nothing else, Mamma Mia is a musical that is just absolutely playing the hits. Oh, Not yeah. thinking twice about like, hey, people like the song. Who cares if it doesn't make any sense? Put it yeah, in a fucking we'll put musical. Put it in. Put it in. We got to end act one on a bop. Yep. And we do. Dancing Queen. <laughs> that was my British version. She's the queen. <laughs> <laughs>